afternoon. Good evening. This is Dove Tuzman. You're on Equal Footing, and we are talking about assessing life at 50 tonight. Kind of a pre-Passover program that we've entitled Out of Egypt. Are we out of Egypt? When do we get out of Egypt? For those that are not Jewish or don't celebrate uh, Passover, it's the story of release from of the pharaohs, Moses bringing the Israelites out to the land of milk and honey plants. There's the court in between, and lots of suffering, lots of doubt, uh, lots of travails. I'm joined this evening to talk about assessing life at 50 with a fellow 50-year-old. I'm dating. I'm 49. A fellow 50-year-old, a lifelong friend, a longtime business partner, a successful entrepreneur and a wonderful human, Tom Herman. Tom has 20 years. You know, this is going to be fun. I get to read this bio. 20 years of executive experience, starting companies and leading developments. So, uh, most recent is a president of Urban Singapore-based exchange that's based on me. A little chance to talk about Tom's tech and entrepreneurial life. Because he found Dad Meet in New York and was the second fastest growing company in New York City. He's also served as a COO. We are partners on this. The COO of Jump TV, which is a company that brought television content from all over the world to ignorant communities in West Urban North America. At Jump it's built operations over 200 linear TV stations uh, leading up to the company's IPO on Toronto and London stock exchanges. Over the course of his career, Tom has built platforms and exchanges for travel, real estate, video advertising, and streaming media industries. And his career, while well, beginning, we were both born, uh, actually, where were you born? New Hampshire. I was born in Boston. Tom's career started in Boston, but his life has uh, ranged from Jamaica to Indonesia to the Caribbean and Latin America to Singapore. He resides in New Canaan, Connecticut. And uh, Tom and I were together featured in the 2001 artist and entertainment movie, Startup.com, which I'm always surprised to see is still on streaming platforms and available out there. Uh, and it was about the formation of, of our first company together, GovWorks, which we started in the 90s just helping governments and uh, citizens connect online. And Tom, perhaps most importantly, has been in the business of parenting for half of his 50 years. He has a 25-year-old daughter and a 4-year-old daughter. He's got two children in between. Uh, he's a pilot. He's a passionate outdoorsman, whether sailing, fishing, or hiking, or rock climbing, or skiing. And uh, and I hope you don't mind, Tom. You're also a techno geek, which is you. Uh, so it's always good conversation. Tom, it's really great to have you here tonight. Thank you, Dove. It's fun to be on the show with you and talk about the last fifty years. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, in doing all the shows I've done. I've, this perhaps is one of the ones I've been most nervous about, <laughs> both because the topic of assessing life at, life at 50 is an intense one. We can go a lot of different directions. Also, technically, we're on the road. Uh, Tom and I are doing a pre-Passover road trip together, so we're not doing this in studio, so nervous on the technical side. Uh, but most of all, I'm nervous because I'm afraid of the questions you're going to ask me, Tom. <laughs> so 
Uh, all right, I'm going to get us. I'm going to get us started. And first of all, let's let's give the call in number and info. If you want it, whether you're 50, whether you're 20, whether you're 80, call in and talk about what it is to assess your life at a milestone moment. Uh, openly, honestly, and, it's, and if it helps to not use your name on the radio, feel free to do so anonymously. Uh, you can call into 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. You can also text a question if you're shy about hearing your voice on air to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. Okay. Um, so let, let me just start by saying, do you, are you aware or have you realized that we've known each other for 35 years now? Yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing. As I, we I, turn I, 50, it's 35 years. And what's interesting is that I think it's like with, with a child, when I, when I see you, because we've known each other since we were 14, 15 years old, I still see you at that point, you know? <laughs> you're 50, and when I, you're, I, but I still see you. I don't mean maturity-wise. Yeah, I see you at 15 because I feel like I'm 15, too. Uh, and that's, that's the beauty of lifelong friendship. So my first uh, recollection of you and memory of, of uh, doing something with you uh, was uh, playing fantasy baseball, rotisserie right. league baseball, and you were the guy that read all the box scores in the newspaper and tallied up everybody's scores. What a shitty job. <laughs> We're going to get an FCC uh, little uh, bleep on that one. Um, yeah, I, 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 was, I was a total full-on nerd. You were the cool kid. Yeah. I, I, I had Coke bottle glasses until I was, what, I think I started wearing contacts like second part of high school. Um, and, yeah, I remember geeking out on those numbers, and I remember thinking how you were uh, so cool, and you skied, and you, you had that camp in New Hampshire your family had, and you, you got the girls. And so so I, was, uh, I was jealous of you in, in high school. Okay, well, um, <laughs> I skied for sure. Um, I definitely spent a lot of time at the summer camp in New Hampshire, but I didn't get the girls. Oh, we could debate that out there. I'm sure we can <laughs> as we hit age 50. There's a I, prom story there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that, you know, on that score, as we approach age 50, I feel like I won the, the, the lottery of, of girls. And I, I, you know, punching way above my weight, ended up marrying an incredible woman and feel so lucky. So as you look back from age 50 at some of the things that are important in life, um, you know, that is really one of the obviously key things who you can spend your life with. And it took me a long time to find my wife, Laura, um, but I got really lucky in that regard. Yeah, let's, let's start there. And um, if we were setting up kind of a uh, almost like a scorecard for our life, and that makes it sound like a competition. I'm, I'm going to use a different metaphor. We're, we're, we're looking back and we're assessing it like as if it were a movie or a play or something. And, you know, the script that we set out for ourselves, you're, you've had an amazing, from my perspective, an amazing and beautiful and unexpected arc in terms of your personal and family life. Where did you think it was going to be versus where you are now? And if you don't mind sharing, what do you, what do you, um, what do you regret or what are you disappointed about or what are you surprised happened that is, was way above your, your wildest expectations? Well, in the movie startup.com, my mom said that, uh, when I was little, I always said I wanted to be a dad. Um, and, you know, I guess if, as I look back, I always, 
thought that I wanted to be an astronaut or um, or a medical device developer or something like that. Those are the kinds of things that I was thinking about as a as a kid. Uh, I didn't end up being um, those, but uh, maybe it's not too late to be an astronaut. No, it's probably too late. Hey, Fifty. It might be too late. Fifty. I might have missed that train. Might have left. Um, so, uh, but I ended up being a dad four times. I have four amazing children. Um, and you know, one of the, if, if you're being honest, one of the challenges is, you know, I went through a lot of life. I, I was a dad early and I went through a, a lot of my life in the phase of parent. um, you know, early stage. Um, I had much more freedom because, um, my, my daughter, mom and I were not living together. So you were, you were a dad. Very early and unplanned. And unplanned. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I've just been at it for a while. And now with a four-year-old at age 50, sometimes I feel tired. Um, and, and I looked around when I was younger and many of my friends uh, had no children. And I did and I was focused on that and it was great but I was sometimes a little bit jealous and now I look around at some of my friends who have you know are getting ready to be empty nesters or send their kids off to college um, and sometimes I'm a little bit jealous as well it's always easy to say the grass is greener on the other side and you would have liked but I feel very lucky to have four wonderful children and a wonderful wife yeah you know it's I also feel like grass is greener looking at looking at your life because um, I have one child. I have a nine-year-old daughter, also in a non-traditional structure. Um, you've you have three. Your most three recent children a very kind of traditional family structure. And I just earlier today picked you up at your you know very beautiful suburban home in New Canaan and a very kind of literally white picket fences around and, and, and I look at that and think, what happened to, what happened to my life? You know, we were talking earlier on our trip about, um, the fact that I, I'm, you know, would like to have more kids and I also that, that creates great anxiety and, and, and fear too to, to do that, um, this late. Do you, do you mind sharing before we move on to like the kind of business stuff on the, on the family side? Um, a little bit of the, let's say, the not seeing exactly eye to eye in terms of how you are going to build out the family, um, and you know how that that process was was for you. Um, I'm not sure I exactly understand the question, but I will say I ended up living in a very expensive town that you know forces you to feel like you're on the. Uh, you know, you're in the rat race all the time, running on the hamster wheel, trying to make enough money to pay for this and that. And, um, I, you know, I, I think growing up in a very, very small town of 200 people in rural New Hampshire, um, I think I could have imagined myself living in, in a rural area where costs were low and life was, you know, in some ways gloriously simpler. Well, what I was getting at, and I didn't, I didn't, again, if I'm treading on, on uh, too thin ice, just mm-hmm. send me in a different direction. We know each other well enough that so you could obviously do that. But, you know, your, your, your last child was a debate, right, in the family. And I think a lot of – that's pretty common, and it's not too many people open up about it as much. Um, but, you know, as you look at – I guess what I'm asking is – as you sit at 50 and you assess your decisions to, to have additional children that you might not have otherwise done, how does that, how does that, how does that feel? Well, I would say that the main reason that I 
decided to have a fourth child was because my wife was very eager. She had enough love left in her heart, and um, at least she had enough love left in her heart, and it seems at this point uh, she had enough energy left as well uh, to take care of a, of a small child. And you don't want to go through life with regrets, um, and, and you don't want to look back and say, what if? Um, so uh, I, I want a happy wife, and that makes for a happy life. And so I think I made that decision, or we made that decision for the right reasons. Yeah, and it, and, and it, it doesn't change. It was obviously difficult in the moment. And uh, let, let's talk a little bit, as long as I'm on thin ice, I'll continue. I'll go further out into the, into the pond. Um, sex life, one of the things that, uh, you know, we at least stylized about getting to our point as, as 50-year-old men is, you know, the, the supposed or, or often would have seen as a decline in, in sex drive, um, in at least that part kind of driving our, our life to some degree. Um, I, I, you know, in my experience, it's been a change. It's been a change in terms of the, the way that you kind of organize energy. Um, and in a certain sense, it's been, it's been liberating because it allows for, I don't know how to put it, but maybe creative energies to, um, to be channeled in other directions. Obviously, I'm looking at that um, for a large part of my life as a, as a single man. I mean, I was married, uh, you know, in my 30s for, for a relatively short period of time. As a married man, what is, what's the assessment at 50 around sex life? Around sex life, well, you know, there's an awful lot of it that's routine. Um, and I think that makes it much, much simpler. Um, but, you know, I think there's, there's more important things that you can give your wife at age 50, um, like doing the dishes every night <laughs> um, that, that may be appreciated more. Uh, for me, at, at age 50, certainly my my interest in in sex and my physical ability to participate in it is not the same as when I was 20 um, by by any stretch my interest in it also you know there's just other things to to do I'm 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 open to waking up at four in the morning uh, to take a business meeting with the other side of the world um, and go to bed at eight or nine o'clock to be ready for that because that's where my interest lies right now for, for the most part um, but I will say, since we're here on the, and, and hopefully my wife doesn't listen to the show, um, our sex life is uh, active and vibrant and, um, uh, you know, certainly uh, almost as much sex as I could uh, wish for. Almost. Amen. Good for, good for you. <laughs> almost. We're, we're going to take a break from this episode uh, around <laughs> talking about uh, the concept of assessing life at 50 and move on to... Oh, no, uh, we're not going to move on. We're just gonna... I was hoping we were going to move <laughs> on. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to take a break, and then we'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be back uh, in a moment on equal footing uh, in my, with my guest, Tom Herman, who has been a lifelong friend, a oftentimes almost as long-time uh, business partner. And uh, here we are, pre-Passover, talking about whether we are getting out of Egypt. Um, 
Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is brought to you in part by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital offers financing to watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere on the planet. Unlock the cash value of your watch collection or inventory through Mechanical Art Capital's guaranteed buyback contracts. They're very easy. You can get your money almost overnight, one or two business days max. For more information, call 833-209-0972. That's 833-209-0972. Operators are standing by. You can also uh, apply online at Mechanical Art capital.com All right, you're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm here with my guest, Tom Herman. We are out of studio tonight. We're it's fun. You know, we're we're sitting in front of the Traveler Restaurant, which is like it, literally that's what it's called, the Traveler Restaurant. I think it's a perfect, uh, it, it's perfectly appropriate to tonight's show. We're travelers, a short time on this planet. And a couple of weeks ago, we covered the concept of the afterlife and the soul and and how they're connected, at least in Western religions and. Whatever you may believe, this is a short journey. Uh, either it's a short journey and there is no continuation of it, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, or it's a journey that then, uh, the, uh, one leg of a longer journey. But it, uh, I'll tell you something, Tom, at 50 or at 49, you're much older than I am, uh, it's, it feels like, uh, it feels to me like I'm still early in the journey, you know? And sometimes I have to... I have to actually step back and say, wait a minute, I've got X number of years of like productive time left. And, and it's, it's bizarre to me because uh, it, it, again, it feels like in some respects it's just starting. Do you, do you have that sensation or do you feel old? <laughs> so I feel old and I went to an interesting birthday party, um, a 50th birthday party in Singapore about a year and a half ago. Um, and it was an exquisite party for, you know, this guy and and his wife, who's a close friend of my wife, and their you know best hundred and fifty friends, um, and it it was an all white party that you know it, it's a old colonial white house, uh, and everyone was dressed in all white clothing, um, and it was sort of a cool theme, very international because it's in Singapore, um, and and people from all over the world were were at the party, and I thought to myself, gosh, how would I realistically pull together 100, 150 people who would come and celebrate my birthday um, and thought that wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen because of the geographical dispersion of your life. You lived in a number of different continents. It wouldn't happen because you drifted out of touch with people. It wouldn't happen because you wouldn't want it to happen. Give, what, give us more I don't. I, it's hard to imagine 150 people showing up, even if I, I suppose if all my friends from around the world happen to live in the same geography, that, that's possible. Um, this couple had been living in Singapore, you know, not for decades. So I, I thought it was pretty astonishing. And it was really, to me, sort of a view on where could life be at age 50 if you are the, you know, one of the senior most faculty or administrators at a, at a substantial um, Singaporean school. Or you know, substantial um, educational institution in the United States. You know, Tom. One of the one of the things I've um, 
always admired about you is the is the uh, the authenticity and intensity. You know, it's not the right word, and and focus that you put on human relationships. Like you, your 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 focus from from even when you were a young teen has always been relationships first above any other um, motive. At least that's what it looks like, you know, looking in from the outside. Um, and I found it really fascinating that you just mentioned kind of the 150. I would challenge you on that. I think, I think there's actually, um, you know, many hundreds that would come to a birthday party. I think it would be more about your openness to it. And it's interesting um, that you said 150, that you used 150 as a marker. Because actually I was thinking about doing a show uh, on equal footing about Dunbar's number. Have you heard of Dunbar's number? No. It's this concept in, in sociology, social psychology, that really 150 people is the maximum number that we are evolutionarily programmed to actually feel connected to in a meaningful way because of the fact that, you know, for tens or hundreds of thousands of years, we've been in small tribal units, not in, in the technically connected society that we're in. And I, I often feel like um, I've had in life cho- made a choice at times to have more relationships with less depth. And I think that as I assess my life at 50, one of the things that I'd like to do from here into Harbor, so to speak, is to kind of narrow that focus of relationships and, and, and deepen them. Um, what I'm, what I'm hearing though, is again, maybe a little bit of that, of that grass is greener. What, what does that feel like to you? How do you want to manage your non, not, I'm not talking about your wife and children, your immediate family. Um, do you think about navigating relationships from from here to to the end so to speak yeah i do i mean i i think more about the the friends and i think about the business relationships that that i have um i also look around my local community and my wife is so social and and is into meeting lots of people but little things like that that are tough at this point sometimes i just forget people's names um, even people that I know pretty well, and maybe that has to do with turning fifty. Also, <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about mental health then. So how about that transition? Sure. Okay. Um, one of the things that uh, I think has happened in in since we were, you know, college age is a more broader a broader acceptance of that that mental uh, health is like physical health and more openness about. It. I can say I have no problem, like for example, saying on the air now that, you know, I talk to a therapist once a week on, you know, a variety of topics, whatever is appropriate for, for the moment. I, I don't think I would have been comfortable saying that even 15 years ago, for example. Um, are, how, how would you assess where you are um, around, we're going to get to physical health, but I thought it would be interesting to start with, with mental health. How would you assess that at, at 50? Well, I have seen a therapist at times through life. I did in college a little bit, and and I did a little bit afterwards when health insurance covered it. Um, and I was never shy about that. I, I started that process with my parents as they were getting divorced. And I was, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. We saw a family therapist. And that seemed pretty um, pretty worthwhile, even though my parents still ended up getting divorced. So they weren't able to work out their differences. But at least I think it helped. Um, I'm not seeing one right now, but I've often thought about it. And, you know, if you go to to see a therapist, how do you address things like, you know, sense of self-worth and happiness and how linked it is, um, for, 
for many men and maybe to some degree for women as well, but to, you know, the ability to hold down a job and, and cover the cost of the family where our family situation is such that both my wife and I need to work. Um, and we're surrounded by a lot of families where only one, um, one parent works. Um, I, I would love to be able to provide that kind of a life for my family and for my wife. Um, but, but I think, you know, addressing from a mental health perspective, um, how I feel about not doing that is something that that's worth discussing. And I, I haven't seen a therapist for a while. I, I would like to, it seems like it would be healthy. Do you, do you feel like, and, and again, you can tell me anything's off limits here, but, um, do you feel like you're attending to your mental health in it? as much as you are tending to your physical health. I mean, sitting here with you and knowing you, you know, the vast majority of our, of our respective lives, you're such a physically um, active person. You're a very outdoors person. You're a runner, et cetera. And, um, and I find, you know, to not make it, you know, personally uh, about you or make you uncomfortable, for me, I found a pivot in recent years of the, of the need to really balance more. I've also always worked out. I've always been attentive to physical fitness and, the, and really greater awareness as I get older um, of the, of, of that importance, or do you feel like that's always been, you know, there's no difference really at 50 versus 30 as far as balancing mental and physical health. I think there is a difference. And, and I think one of the things is that my role and responsibility in life right now has much more to do with uh, managing a family. Um, you know, making sure that my son is playing guitar or uh, making it to his lacrosse games um, or, uh, you know, doing dishes or taking care of repairs around the house. That is where I spend most of my time. Um, and there's not a lot of time for personal mental health. On the other hand, if I don't take the time for physical health, then everything runs off the rails. And so I do that. I have to go running. Right. Um, you know, it seems like if I skimp on the mental health stuff, I can talk about, you know, getting to it in a few years when uh, there's no more tushy wiping to be done, um, literally. And, uh, you know, we're, we're getting there. My kids make their beds now and they almost completely wipe themselves and they're getting pretty good at dressing themselves. And those kinds of tasks take a lot of, a lot of time. I can't believe I'm, I'm thinking about signing up for more of that soon. <laughs> well, yeah. So, you know, we skipped out on the whole like sex at age 50 for someone who's not married. And, and so we could certainly circle back on that. And how does that fit into having another child that, that you're... Well, before we get back to that, we are going to take a break in a minute. Uh, I, I want to uh, I want to share a question, a, a, a kind of a comment that um, that has come in from 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 a listener, and and I think it's it's fair. It's always good to get um, criticism, and this listener is saying, "Yeah, you you guys may both be uh, superstars, but uh, bring it bring it down to the uh, to the human side." 150 people parties. Most people don't have you know, 15 people that would come to their parties. You know, thank you. I didn't listeners. even have a party. That's the whole point. It was COVID. My party included my, my 50th birthday party. The attendee, what, the attendees were my uh, wife and three of my four children. Well, to be fair, during the pandemic. But, but let, me, let me bring that down. Let, let's, get, let's get, before the break, though, address that listener at a very humble and real level. Because I want to talk about, about difficult, about yes. mistakes as well. Because I find myself now... Really thinking about a, about a whole catalog of mistakes in, in life. Um, so, as you know, but I need to be clear. I, I 
don't believe that I would ever have a birthday party with 150 people. I, I, it's not that I'm some superstar or have misset expectations. I did happen to attend a party like that. Right. We all find ourselves occasionally in unique places with this wild collection of people, but that that isn't me. I couldn't pull that off. So we're gonna we're gonna take another another break, and then when we come back, yeah, you know, we're gonna. You know, we'll, and I'll meet you. I'll meet you in the middle, Tom. I'm not just going to put it on you. We'll talk about um, kind of the, the regrets and mistakes because, although it's popular to say, you know, live life with no regrets, it's also uh, you know a life not not analyzed as well. Um, at least to, to think about the the ways that we would you know change gears in in, in the future. Participate in our discussion on uh, assessing life at 50, and you don't have to be coming up on 50 or looking back at 50. Whatever milestone you're at, the uh, the, the accounting, you know, in, in, in Judaism, there's a concept of constant accounting. And right here before Passover, our subtitle for the show is Out of Egypt. We felt like it's a good time to do a little bit of an accounting. Have we left bondage? Have we left our uh, darkness? Have we uh, learned from our mistakes? Are we leaving Egypt? We'll be uh, back on equal footing in a minute. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. Back on Equal Footing, I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm here with my guest, Tom Herman, serial entrepreneur, father of four. We're both uh, either have come upon or are coming up on 50, and we're talking about assessing life uh, at this milestone. Before we went to the break, Tom, we were talking about cataloging regrets and, and mistakes. Sure. And I- Sure, that's what we were talking about. Yeah, pretty sure. I think there was something else that you had in mind. But <laughs> uh, what? And, and I was I was admitting to doing that a lot lately. Um, it's been you know increasing. I think over time, and not as a matter of um, kind of uh, self-flagellation, but really trying to um, assess where I go from here and and not repeating the same mistakes again. Are you doing the same thing? And if you are, what are those biggest mistakes and regrets? So I think I've been doing that for a while. And, uh, you know, I, I look at sort of life inflection points. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I regret, uh, one of the biggest inflection points for me was where I chose to go to university. Um, I went to Bates College. Um, I w- ended up choosing between Bates College and UC Santa Cruz. Um, and I feel like 
had I gone I to... I forgot that that was the alternative. Yeah. Um, and Bates was, you know, I went there for the wrong reasons. Um, I went there because I wanted to be on the Div 1 ski team. And I think if I had gone to UC Santa Cruz, uh, they would have had a better computer science program. I would have graduated right into the inflation of the dot-com bubble. Um, and and I just think it would have been, you know, really, my life would have been really different um, if I had. And so uh, that's certainly one of the life inflection points. If there's another major thing, it was uh, doing my uh, e- equivalent of, of um of a year abroad um, in Jamaica um, instead of in a Spanish-speaking country. Um, so I spent, you know, almost two years living in Jamaica working for the uh, Jamaican Ministry of Health, like a Peace Corps thing. Um, and I didn't learn Spanish at that point. I already spoke French. I didn't learn Spanish, and I realized speaking Spanish would have made fluently and at such a young age through a two-year immersion program at, at age 23 would have made such a difference in my life. So those are... Those are two inflection points. I don't know that they represent mistakes mm-hmm. that I made. But, um, but crossroads. Yeah, they're crossroads. You know, the second one you mentioned about being in, in, in Jamaica reminds me, you and I were on the phone earlier today with a, a mutual friend that, that we uh, were in business with uh, almost two decades ago, <laughs> strange to say. And uh, he shared this um, Islamic saying, actually. And I, I don't know if I'm going to get it exactly right, uh, but it was something along the lines of, um, you know, don't, don't hate something too much because there's could be good in it and or don't, and don't love something too much because there could be bad in it. And, you know, the concept of things happen for a reason, I guess, would be a hackneyed way to say that. And, you know, out of that trip to Jamaica, instead of perhaps to a Latin American country, came your, your beautiful daughter, Tia. So this is for sure true. Yeah. <laughs> this is for sure true. And, you know, I would say um, it's, I don't mean to, to, to create a direct analogy because, um, Tia is far more beautiful than anything, uh, and wonderful than anything that would have come out of this in my, in, in my life, but out of my most, uh, when I catalog those, not only mistakes, but really difficult patches, um, and, and think about how they've affected my life, those crossroads, um, being incarcerated, because, you know, I was, I was incarcerated for 10 and a half months in a, in a, uh, you know, a horrible place and, uh, abroad. And you visited me there, um, twice. Yeah. Um, once in the bunker and once in La Picota. That's right. You, you actually, um, yeah, you visited me in the, in, in, in the really violent, uh, prison that I was in, uh, which was absolutely, um, nightmarish. And then also when I was in solitary as well, um, which was extraordinary to get, to get those visits and your support. And, um, and, and I never, I, it took me years to even think that I would sit and assess that experience in any positive way, but it happened more quickly than I thought. People would tell me that it would, and I don't mean to sound Pollyanna-ish. I, I would definitely, if I could live my life over again, I would not go through that experience, to be clear. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be uh, taking, you know, so I have taken or, or be taking steps in terms of uh, uh, every, every part of healthy life. <laughs> loving and experiencing and forgiving um, and, and charitable work and acti- activism, this show, et cetera, um, if, if it wasn't for some, to some extent because of that experience. So um, having said that, can you give us, I know you talk about crossroads, can you give us, if you don't mind, as you assess life at 50, like a, an actual regret or is that something that you don't do? 
Um, it's not something that I don't do, but I'm trying to think of some major regret that I have. Um, and you know, they're all small things. You know, I, I regret choosing to go to Bates college. As I said, I, it, it wasn't the right place for me, but, um, what, what else do I, I regret? I, I think I, I regret not having gone back to school again after GovWorks. You know, I had this opportunity um, with a long severance period to, you know, gather my wits and, and apply to graduate school, and I didn't do that, and I, I regret that. You know, Tom, I, I, we've never talked about this. Um, I regret that, too. Not, I mean, I'm not saying I regret yeah. in your business. Yeah. I mean, I regret in my own life. I regret yeah. not going back to school. And, uh, and it's not too late, even at our advanced age of 50. Like, I may not be able to remember people's names, but I'm still pretty good at understanding new concepts. You know, I love that you said that, because there's, there's a, a, without naming names, a loved one in my life who, uh, when I have uh, a family member who, when I've mentioned the fact that I've thought about, you know, going back and finishing a PhD and, and so forth, because I had some credits that I could apply, and, mm-hmm. and you know, is, uh, you know, I've gotten kind of, um, you know, stopped. Basically, uh, it's shorthand, stop dreaming or stop, you know, and... and, and Not uh, a dream. It's yeah. very reasonable. You could do it. I mean, I think one of the reasons that you can do it is because you have the, the freedom of not having... <laughs> this is an interesting thing to say. You have the freedom of not having to care for um, other... For children um, on a regular basis. You could you could make it part of your life. For yeah, me... I, I, don't, I don't have primary custody of my daughter. Yeah. For me... The primary excuse for not going back to school is the need for a job and the need to be home and the, uh, you know, I, I think it's challenging. I've spoken with my wife a number of times about what kinds of continuing ed I could do and, you know, would it make sense to do an executive MBA or uh, are there other things that, that might be uh, less prestigious and potentially more useful? Uh, well, for those listening where that you're, you're thinking about that, wherever you are, you don't have to be at 50, it could be at 30 or at, at 80, um, you know, Two, you have two people here sharing uh, honestly and openly regret about not furthering education. So, uh, I guess a kick in our respective pants and also, um, so we've got a, we have, by the way, a surprise. I'm, I'm told we have a caller who knows us both. Um, so, um, if, uh, if we could have the caller who's waiting be put on in the meantime, I'll tell you, we also have a listeners who's, uh, who said that we should go back to the other topic. <laughs> so, uh, I'll leave that to you, Tom, if and when you want to go back to the other topic. Yeah, let's go back to the other topic yeah. right now. <laughs> hey, I think we have a caller to live. <laughs> Are, do, can you hear us? Are you even 50 Hello. yet, for Christ's sake? <laughs> uh, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Guns and Buns, uh, otherwise known as David Camp. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a long time, uh, a long time friend of Paul Allen Tom's, who, by the way, according to my uh, calendar, aren't even precisely fifty yet, unless I missed a birthday. Yeah, you missed the birthday, okay. dude. I've been fifty for a while. And All right, David, well, I missed a birthday. David, you're 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 fifty, uh, and you were the first to cross the milestone. Um, how how are you? You want to give us your greatest life regret, or uh, you want to give us a, a, a moment of inspiration? You've you've always you always have great life with I'd, you. <clears throat> well, I'd I'd rather start with with inspiration than regret, and I'll I'll share 
an exercise that uh, that I've done at various milestone birthdays, which I would highly recommend to anyone, whether you're uh, a sports type with access to a football field or not. Um, I remember at at 40, I happened to be visiting family and home and went to my old high school and had been running around the the track and and stopped at, at the end of my run to stretch at the goal line. And it, it was my 40th birthday, and I was, you know, a little overly introspective and decided to start walking my age across the well-marked field. And so I, you know, I walked to the 10-yard line and thought about life at 10. And I walked to the 20 and thought about life in my 20s and so on and so forth until I got to the 40-yard line. And, and th- at that point in my life, I was, you know, well in advance of 50 thinking about middle age and mm. uh, destiny and all, all of that. And I was you know, pretty, pretty down about it, frankly, and, you know, thoughts of mortality. Yeah, I think we the interesting you. thing is when you start laying your life out spatially according to marks on a field, it, it gives you some perspective. And I look back, you know, from the 40-yard line to the goal line that I started from, and it you know didn't look like that great of a distance. But the interesting thing is when I looked downfield, I had, you know, 60 more yards of running room of life, That assuming, you know, I lived to a ripe old age of 100, uh, which is a whole other topic. But uh, it was an inter- interesting exercise, and I did it again at 50. Uh, and, you know, this time there was, you know, equal distance behind me and in front of me, and so I had a slightly different view of what the future held. But it actually gave me some some hope that uh, sometimes when you get wrapped up in your head around age and, and mortality uh, and aging, it, it can distort your view of what the future might be. So I, I left the field feeling better than I, I did when I got there. And, David, for, for the audience's edification, uh, you, you have a little bit, from my perspective, a, a more similar path uh, to Tom's. You have two two teenage girls, and um, and you've you've been with your wife for majority of of your life at this point. Um, do you? How does how, do you do you have any kind of grass is greener, uh, or just straight up regret? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I find that uh, it's, less, it's less regret than it is about the recognition that for every life path taken, there are, are, are an infinite and opposite number of life paths not taken in just about every category, from right. you know, who you choose to marry to you know, how you choose to raise your children to what job to pursue to what, what pastime to pursue and, and every for every opportunity, you know, taken, there's an opportunity cost somewhere else. And, and I, I used to torture myself about that. And sometimes I still do. Uh, but I think, I think as I get older and maybe, you know, it's either wisdom or cynicism, uh, setting in, I, I let that go and try my best to embrace what is and what may be versus what might have been. David, if you might remind me asking, when it comes to that looking forward, looking back and looking forward, how, where does where does God fit into that equation? Uh, are, are you, have you, has your belief 
or faith in, in, in some higher power, uh, you know, has it changed? Has it increased? Has it decreased? Where does, where does that factor into your looking at the next 50 yards down the ball field and looking at the, the last 50 yards? Yeah, uh, well, I think you, you know my, uh, my attitude and philosophy about religion, and I've been a fairly devout atheist for a long time. Uh, and I don't see that changing. It hasn't, it hasn't changed, uh, at all as I've grown older. If anything, it, you know, my conviction has been, become stronger. Um, I am a naturalist, and so the abiding force is, is the, the, the natural world to me and anything that can happen within it, uh, which, you know, as we've seen, can be just about anything. Uh, and I don't pretend to know every force in the universe, but I, I don't walk around thinking about some higher being in the traditional religious sense of the word. And, and, and for me, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I'm, and this is, this is of course, a charged comment for those that, that do believe. Uh, I, I just don't seem to have the capacity to suspend disbelief and take that leap. And, and so for some, many would say, well, I'm missing something and I don't know what I'm missing. But because I don't know what I'm missing, I don't miss it. If you know what I mean? David, would you, would you be okay staying with us while we take uh, our, last, uh, our last ad break here? Absolutely. Because we, we were going to ask you about your, your sex life and, and other stuff after the break. Uh, just giving David a hard time. Uh, we have a couple of questions we're going to get to in text after the break, and uh, we will be right back on Equal Footing. This, this is not the, the segue that I had intended. I, I apologize up front. But let's talk about Manhattan Medical. This is a very important message for men from Manhattan Medical. I imagine, Tom, men, you know, in our age bracket, or definitely above our age bracket. Uh, what is more emotionally painful than erectile dysfunction? Uh, that's being unable to have enjoyable sex. Manhattan Medical, utilizing the new effective Gaines Wave therapy, can help you achieve excellent results. There are no expensive blue pills. It's non-invasive. It's surgery-free. It is painless. With Manhattan Medical, there are no side effects, and for most patients, wonderful results. Manhattan Medical's Gaines Wave therapy can help you. Call now for a free consultation. Call 888 888- EDQure9. That's 888-EDQure9 or 888-332-8739. I'll tell you, this sponsor, Manhattan Medical, came to the show through a good friend of mine. He's in his 80s. He's in his mid-80s, and he has had terrific results, better than anything else that he had tried and really brought the joyful sex back into his life. So call Manhattan Medical Learn about this Gaines Wave therapy. That's 888-332-8739 or 888-EDQure9. And when you call, mention Equal Footing and you will get a free consult.
All right, you're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm here with my guest, Tom Herman, successful entrepreneur, lifelong friend, most of that life, business partners in one way or another across lots of different uh, businesses. We're talking about assessing life at 50. We're trying to be open, trying to be honest. Uh, David, are you still with us? If that's on the movie, we got some out. You are, okay. No, I'm I want still to here. apologize to those. Okay, great. We've got you. I wanted to apologize to those listeners that have tried calling in uh, and have not gotten through. We've had a, uh, a bit of a, of a technical issue doing this show out of studio for the uh, first time in a long time. Uh, Tom, and I'll put the question for you as well, David. I, wanted to, I don't want to end the show without talking about uh, death, loss, grief, something that touches us later in life more than it does early in life. I know all, all three of us have been touched by that, whether it's the loss of a loved one or the real pain, mental or physical, uh, of, of a loved one. Uh, Tom, do you want to, do you want to address that? How do you assess that part of your life? What, and to what extent has it been, um, yeah, does it live with you, I guess, uh, at, at 50 What's the importance of, of, of grief and loss? Well, for me, the major loss, of course, was my mom, um, and that was um, a while ago now. So I, I felt sad and feel sad as I go through some of the major life milestones around children and kids graduating from high school or college or graduate school and my mom not being there and education was such a key part. So for me, that that has been... The challenge. I've been lucky. Otherwise, my dad's still healthy, and my kids, thank God, thank God are also healthy. And um, I, I haven't had to deal with that beyond the loss of my mom. David, how, how about you? I, I, I know um, I don't want to, you know, get get too too personal or go into feel that you know something you don't want to talk about. But uh, if you, if you could address that question as well, whether it's the actual loss of a loved one or the the confusing and deep pain of a loved one that you've, that you've been a companion to? Sure. Uh, I, I, would, I would think about my father who died a few years ago, and that's a topic of both loss and to some degree regret in, in terms of the, you know, the opportunities not seized. Uh, remember that Cat Stevens song? Uh, and uh, I, I think about my dad a lot probably more so now that he's gone and when he was alive and, and I took him for granted uh, in my middle life. And that's a regret I have for sure. Yeah, uh, in terms of the, you know, and we'll get together then, and, you know, we'll have a good that's time right. then. Yeah. I, I, and, and now, ironically, you know, sometimes I try to play that song to my kids. <laughs> so that they don't become me. Uh, and, of course, they don't want to listen to it. So, you know, well, I think with, with regret comes opportunity for insight and, and to pass on, you know, one's mistakes to one's children as well. Guys, I wanted, I wanted to just address this. Uh, we have a listener's question here about, about 50s versus the 40s. And how in your, that the transition, this, this listener, um, asserts that there's a transition that, that takes place in your fifties. 
and they're, they're less tense years because you know that whatever you could achieve either has happened or will not happen anymore. Whereas in your 40s, it's, it, it's still kind of up in the air. And do, do it's possible in your 40s. Do you agree with that, Tom? I totally agree with that, especially from a, from, a perspe- from a professional perspective, but like even more so from a family perspective, and I would think to an even larger degree for women. Uh, because, you know, from a family perspective, you're going to have your children by the time you're 50, or, or and that's sort of it. Um, and I think most men feel that way as well. Um, but that brings us back to some of the conversations we've had um, about you and, and dating and what it's like to, you know, be in your 50s and, and date someone who's in her late 30s um, and has a very focused agenda. At that age, women in their late 30s are, you know, notoriously interested in having children. And I think I am, too, and I think that the it's fascinating to me to be around um, the, I guess, to be around, you know, friends like you who, where that is not even on the table anymore. Right. And, and to think how much it's on the table for me and how much I feel that biological clock uh, and, and how dominating that kind of thinking is. And, of course, balanced against, you know, the appropriate time, the circumstance, and, 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 and so forth. So, Well, I had a vasectomy. <laughs> very, very shortly after, <laughs> after having your last, uh, your last child, yeah. yeah. Well, David, there's, there's, a, there's always is, a... Is, are the there's, 40s your last, your, your kind of last chance, so to speak, and then at 50, does it feel kind of things are occupied and... No, I, I, I hope not. But uh, I mean, there are definitely there's there's some biological reality to aging. Uh, certainly, you know, between men and different, and in women, there's there are a lot of differences. But you know, you you think about life in in those ten yard increments, and when you're you know ten twenty, you're learning and exploring the world. When you're in, when you're tw- in your twenties, you're indomitable, and the world is unfurled at your feet. When you're in thirties, you're in you know, you're in harvesting mode. Maybe you're, you know, early family life and you're, you know, mid-swing in your, in your professional life. There's still some uncertainty and you're just wrapped up in the present. Uh, and then when you start, well, I think for me at least, when you get in, when I got into my 40s, I started thinking about life later. Uh, and maybe I was an exception in that respect. But, uh, you know, the 30s and 40s are definitely harvesting years and, and then, you know, as you get into your 50s, I suspect that I'm still early in that. Um, it becomes more about legacy and purpose and, and, and trying to, you know, earn some wisdom from all those previous years. It doesn't mean that, you know, life is done and, and what is is what's going to be. Um, I just think, right. you know, the tangibility of things takes different form. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the liberty of, uh, addressing this next listener's uh, comment. The comment is, how about those of us who have had a second lease on life, i.e. a near-death experience? Time is not running out. Every day is a bonus or gift, extra time. Every day is the first day of the rest of your life. And I had, as some listeners know, uh, a near-death experience uh, about five years ago. Uh, came very, very close to losing my life. And it did completely, uh, it was, it, I would describe it as almost like, you know, those, what were those, uh, little balls that we played with as kids where you like shake the, the, the magic eight ball. 
<laughs> I don't think that's what it was. You kind of, you know, you got it when you were a tourist somewhere and you shook it and then all the little the snow, maybe that's what it was, but it was like, it shook up everything. Everything kind of re, it was like everything was back up, up in the air. Everything was back in a, in a good way afterwards once I went through the PTSD of that experience. Uh, in a sense, everything was possible um, in, in at least an emotional and psychological light. So to that listener who wrote that, I, I feel you, I agree, and the challenge for me has been to live each moment in that, in that awareness, in the awareness that I, that I had as soon as I really set upon a path of, of healing and recovery, not forget it, not become complacent. How about you, Tom? You so I would address that, but I have not had a near-death experience except maybe like falling off cliffs and doing stuff like that, rock climbing. But, um, uh, but I would say... One of the things that I agree with that listener about is here I am at age 50 um, thinking about launching a new business and feeling like I have plenty of time left before I turn 65 to make it successful. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a business that I'm as excited about as, as any business I've launched. And I started a lot of different companies, and I find myself extremely animated when I'm talking about carbon emissions and addressing climate change and uh, protecting uh, wildlife through forestry projects. I, I get super excited. And so I think life is, is hardly over. Um, and yet there is an arc to life in, in so far as, you know, a, a lot of the most exciting professional stuff and family stuff happens in one's thirties and forties. And, and kudos to you, Tom, and to you, David, for being entrepreneurs uh, and, and actively, you know, being part of creating new businesses, not only into your 40s, but I foresee your 50s and 60s as, as well. I do think that we're blessed in that I think it was harder before. Lots of things have made it easier for us to be entrepreneurs later in life. Yeah. Um, with, you know, just in terms of technology and social acceptance, uh, and, and, uh, and the, the pace of innovation in lots of different sectors that sometimes you don't get exposed to till later. David, we'll leave you with the last word here. Do you have any uh, words of wisdom? Are we out of Egypt, you know, assessing life at 50? Anything you want to leave with us? It's so great that you called in. It's really nice to have you on the show. I, I, I just say, uh, you know, back to the 50-yard the line of life metaphor, uh, I would urge anyone at any stage in life to, to just get introspective and take a break and pause every once in a while and, and just walk out to your your age on the field and think about where you've been and where you're going. Because as That's Tom said, done tonight. There's, yeah, there's, no, uh, there's no shortage of optimism and opportunity no matter how old you are and how fortunate okay. or unfortunate you know, your life has been. Tom, thank you for being on Equal Footing tonight. David, thank you for calling in. What a pleasure. Thank you. Happy Passover to those who are celebrating. We'll be on next week pre-Easter, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. You were away, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking for a new it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the